Welcome to Books on Air, the podcast that tells the story behind the book. It includes insights from authors about how they compose their work, what inspires them, and what they hope you'll take away from their book. Here's your host for this episode of Books on Air, Suzanne Harris. Welcome to the Books on Air podcast. I'm Sloan Fremont, filling in for Suzanne Harris. This is a podcast where listeners get the secret story behind every book. Joining me today is Dr. Hilmer Lawrence, author of the book, Facing the Environmental Crisis, Consequences for Scientific and Religious Communities. Dr. Lawrence, welcome to the Books on Air podcast. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you. So let's start out by telling the audience a little bit about yourself and what led you to write your book, Facing the Environmental Crisis. There are two things to say about me. Uh, I am a retired uh, Lutheran pastor. That's the one thing. Uh, uh, Beside this, I have uh, uh, made my doctorate in philosophy uh, with a German philosophy professor, Karl Friedrich von Weizsäcker, who uh, originally was an atomic physicist and very close uh, a pupil of Werner Heisenberg, who uh, has uh, created quantum theory. Oh, wow. From there, I have a long story in dealing with the subject of the environment. Mm -hmm. So to put it, my personal result into uh, one uh, formula. Science is theory. Theory, which has been technologically very successful. This is shown by 300 years of waves of industrialization in the Western world. Mm-hmm. But Besides this success, it has side effects, Mm. uh, side effects which we summarize now uh, under the concept of environmental crisis. Mm -hmm. Uh, These are effects, uh, we know this term from medicine, Uh, These are side effects which are not in the focus as long as you make the successful theories. Mm -hmm. So you can have technologically the greatest successes you want to have. It doesn't help us so much if these successes put at stake human civilization. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem we have to face. So every public and political actions have to face this because if we ignore it, it might uh, be the doom of human civilization, no longer in my generation, but you in your generation uh, will get more of it. And there are other generations for whom life may become very miserable if they are still able 
to live in mm-hmm. the world which is left to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's a big topic. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> so uh, how did you, how did you, how were you able to research and distill the topic down to fit it in a book that was, um, you know, for people to read? Yes, uh, it's a long process of inner learning. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, a lifelong. I am now 82 years. When I published it, I was 77 years. So uh, this is, in fact, the result of thinking about the topic uh, for whole life. So I have read many books about it, mm-hmm. and I have uh, very little referred to other books. I've just, in the books, I come out with my arguments. Otherwise, mm. the book might have become 10 times as thick. <laughs> mm, right. <laughs> so what are some of the changes or themes you've seen over the past few years as it relates to the environmental crisis? Uh, I don't see uh, any change as far as the subject is concerned, uh, Mm -hmm. but I see a certain change in politics. Okay. So as the new uh, government in Germany, uh, in which now the Green Party is represented, they say they want to focus on uh, stopping uh, uh, global warming as far as uh, uh, the CO2 output of Germany is concerned. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and uh, a little similar sounds what we have heard by the Biden administration in, in the United States. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but these are still words. So, and that's what my the the subject of my book is about. That we should not expect everything from politics in this regard. We should focus on those communities in our societies that are closest to the subject. Mm -hmm. This is in one uh, way, the scientific community, because uh, the technological success has developed from modern physics. Uh, I could call names uh, Copernicus, Kepler, Galileo, uh, and Newton. these theories uh, focus on a certain aspect of human experience. So to say it, I have to simplify it. It's the aspect of uh, experience which comes to our consciousness if we look at the world like a machine. 
Mm -hmm. So that's why these theories are called theory mechanics. Uh, and uh, if you do this, you have incredible technological successes, but you have the environmental crisis, which is life-threatening for, uh, for all life on Earth and also for human lives. Mm -hmm. That's the difficult situation we are in. So the question is, what do we do with this? So uh, uh, the scientific communities are those that have uh, got diplomas mm -hmm. in theorizing in this field. Right. They have not got a diploma because it's not part of science in how to deal with this uh, theorizing in uh, the context of experience and human life in general. This is missing. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's exactly, I think, our problem. And uh, I would like to, if it's okay, to draw one consequence. It's not only uh, physics that treats nature like a machine, but there is also, uh, also economists deal with the market as if it was a machine. Mm -hmm. So by this aspect, they just ignore the other side that uh, trade has to do with human action and mm -hmm. communication and in so far with the whole aspect of ethics too, right. of morality in it. So, but uh, economists are not educated to focus on this. They are educated to make this uh, scientific game uh, uh, with markets as if it was a mechanism. So, and it's very interesting that this economy, very few of the economists have predicted the world, the economic crisis of 2008. Mm -hmm. And I think it's exactly because this dimension uh, was missing, because yeah. markets collapse as soon as uh, the traders uh, lose uh, uh, their trust in each other. Right. I talk about this ordinary word of trust, but it's basic. Without trust... Uh, the world market is stuck and we are uh, we have we would starve uh, within four weeks and would be dead because nothing works anymore oh, right yeah and that's the big problem that's why i say uh, uh, scientific communities uh, have to uh, to face their own involvement in this problem uh, 
because as long as they theorize, uh, they suggest that they only talk about what exists even without them. But that's not true. Because uh, of the aspect on which they focus, uh, thereby they do something with nature, which doesn't appear in the theories, but we feel the side effects from the fact that it doesn't disappear in their theories. And that makes it so difficult for us to handle the problem. Ah, yes, that makes sense. I, I see that angle. I hadn't really considered that before, but I, I can see that. And I thought it was very interesting that you also included religious communities in the title. Yeah, that's yeah. the can other you talk subject. A little bit about that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for decades, our major churches make declaration that humans should preserve uh, God's creation from human destruction. Mm-hmm. But uh, somehow it doesn't reach uh, uh, society to the degree that society would follow this uh, proposal. Right. Uh, it doesn't. It, it doesn't happen. And I would say, why doesn't it happen? Because it is done uh, by uh, the higher levels. Uh, religious communities no hierarchies, and these higher levels obviously, as far as these hierarchies function. Uh, since uh, antiquity, in fact, uh, these higher levels uh, uh, are unable to make their ordinary members act accordingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if uh, uh, this declaration uh, would add uh, so-and-so many uh, congregations in our uh, religious community will act accordingly. For example, uh, to uh, minimize uh, their use of energies, mm-hmm. to minimize their uh, consummation in general. It would have enormous effects on economy, it would not be forbidden in our democracy because that's the meaning of democracy that people are allowed to do these things. Right. But uh, it doesn't happen. And I think uh, just besides, that's one of the reasons why the major churches are declining so much in the Western world. I have here in Germany numbers that in 40 years, uh, the numbers of members have shrunk to half of of what Mm -hmm. they were before. So uh, this belongs together because apparently uh, this way of talking at higher levels in the hierarchy has Uh, no longer affects on the people. So uh, democracy has developed a way 
from these hierarchic structures in which, for example, European societies have been organized for centuries and where church has not questioned the hierarchy but could bring something like a moral correction to uh, the mundane secular hierarchies uh, from the emperor on top down to the beggar underneath. Yeah? But uh, since this word of hierarchies is gone, I say thanks God because it totally, in fact, totally uh, disturbs uh, the picture of what religion is about. But uh, this has not happened. Uh, so uh, for churches, it will be, and uh, don't think that, uh, uh, for example, uh, smaller churches in the US, because they have been uh, founded in the US, would be better off. Mm-hmm. My experience with these people is that they live also in these hierarchies in which uh, always the elder one or somebody on top of them told them what, what to do. They yeah. don't act from themselves. So uh, what we need is a sort of democratization also in our relations religions, mm-hmm. which has not happened in history, in America as little as in Europe. Right, right. Yeah. Is and it clear what I said? Can you understand me? I can. I'm considering, I'm thinking about it because this is, uh, you've presented this in such an interesting way and not one that I've ever considered before. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's such a big topic. And unfortunately, I mean, I think we could talk for hours about this, but yes, <laughs> we, don't have, we don't have that long. But no. since this is such a big topic, is there maybe a couple of words or themes you could use to describe your book or maybe summarize how what you've written, maybe uh, just the condensed version so the listeners can have a, you know, an understanding to take with them um, when they pick up your book? Yeah, uh, of course. Uh, the, uh, I focus in the book, uh, basically what we are talking of is our of our is our responsibility as human beings and uh, we ought to be conscious of this as far as we live in democracies uh, we see right now in the ukraine the crash between uh, this mm-hmm. democratic thought we are now uh, reflecting and uh, an authoritarian dictatorial uh, order of things. So uh, this shows from another side that we cannot let things go. Mm -hmm. We have to fight for that we, uh, that it stays the way we are used to it in the United States as we are used to it in in Germany now. Mm -hmm that we have the chance to act 
without being prevented by a dictator on top of our state uh, who puts us in prison as uh, Putin to puts now those Russians into prison who protest against the war. Uh, so that's uh, the we cannot believe, and I think it, it has happened too much, that we thought uh, now every reasonable person uh, thinks like a Democrat, and in so far these things are safe, we can rely on it. No, we have to fight for it day by day, always anew, and a very specific area of fighting for it is to fight against those interests, economic interests, which in fact uh, put in danger the environment and thereby uh, the future of life on this earth and of human beings as well. Right. And so it sounds like, you know, you're a big, your book is encouraging action for, because this is such a big topic that sometimes it can feel like, what can I do about it? I'm just one person, right? It feels very um, like, you know, it doesn't, my actions don't matter, but it sounds like what you're saying is every person's actions matter. And when we all come together that, you know, the more people that come together, there's more action and then there's bigger impact. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. But I, I would say, and that's the focus of the book, uh, that uh, because of history, uh, scientific communities and uh, religious communities have a particular responsibility uh, for our societies in their totality. Mm-hmm. They can, neither the scientists can say, oh, uh, we are here a little club who just has, uh, which just says fun, as you can hear it from many ingenious scientists that they talk this way, it brings fun to me, uh, nor uh, can uh, religion say, yes, we are only responsible for our members, and uh, we don't care about the rest of society. This is a total misunderstanding of what religion is about. Religion is about something which brings uh, brings a better world for all human beings. Yes, yes. These are such good points that you're bringing up. And again, not, um, I like the way you've, you've, tied the two together. And also that, that reminder for everybody, you know, myself included and in the listeners that um, we all have a part to play and it's easy to feel like, um, exactly like it doesn't matter, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're, you're reminding everybody that it does matter. Yeah. But uh, nearly everybody of us has been, uh, has gotten education which has more or less influenced by science. That's, uh, the, the, uh, that's the way I understand uh, the public educational systems in the Western world. Mm-hmm. And the other point, everybody, all of us ha- have been at one or the other point uh, of our lives in touch 
with religious communities. Right. So in so far, uh, the meaning is not uh, that's only their business and uh, not our business, of course. Uh, facing the environmental crisis, my title is the business of all of us. Yeah, yeah, that's such a such a great reminder. And and unfortunately, we're coming up on time today. Yeah. My guest has been Dr. Hilmer Lawrence, author of the book "Facing the Environmental Crisis: Consequences for Scientific and Religious Communities." And Dr. Lawrence. Before we close out, is there anything else you'd like to leave for the listeners today as it relates to your book and the topic? Yeah, okay. I can, in, in fact, I can only repeat what I just said. <laughs> uh, every uh, listener is somehow in a situation uh, where he, she is asked to overtake responsibility for the human uh, community. That's yeah. the basic meaning of democracy. Yeah. That's for what uh, Thomas Jefferson, the founders of the U.S. democracy, is the oldest one in, in, in the Western world, have fought for. Right. So, but it's not to say, okay, these are our saints on top. Right. Uh, right. Uh, no, <laughs> they certainly were no saints. Yeah. Right. Look, right. Uh, Thomas uh, Jefferson and his relationship to slavery. No? Uh, uh, just as an example, that's not the, uh, the case. Uh, but there were human beings as all of us. So they had the courage to overtake responsibility and in, in the war they risk their life. Uh, but they are human beings like all of us and we, all of us, are asked to uh, overtake our responsibility in this world now, which is quite different. For example, we would have to talk about economy, uh, Thomas, I understand Thomas Jefferson's position about markets. In his time, uh, I would uh, I would have said the same. Uh, what he could not know is that economy has become such an enormous political world uh, power in a world market. So I would ask for that people in the United States uh, start to revise this, uh, what Jefferson uh, uh, hold for, in the spirit of Jefferson, but adjust it to the modern world. Mm -hmm. And I'm afraid that in the US, there are too many people who think everything is clear and are stuck with the 18th century in these questions. Uh, 18th century economy was totally different from today. And that's the decisive point. And here, all of us are asked uh, to overthink this and to become uh, dignified as heirs of these people. Right. Yeah, and, and this has been such a great conversation. We've raised a lot of big questions and a lot of big points. Yeah. And like I said, I think we could talk for hours about that. But yes, of course, our time is up. So, Dr. Lawrence, thank you for joining us today and being our guest on Books on Air. Yeah, thank you. 
You can find more about the book, Facing the Environmental Crisis, Consequences for Scientific and Religious Communities on Amazon. And I'll link to the book in the show notes, so be sure to check that out. You've been listening to the Books on Air podcast brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also hear this podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. I'm Sloan Fremont, and I hope you'll join us for the next Books on Air podcast. Remember, you never know who's going to be here, and you never know what we're going to talk about. Thank you so much for listening.